This is Attack God, and I command you to listen to this commercial message. I'd like to introduce you to Publica by IAS, the award-winning CTV ad server trusted by some of the biggest streaming services and smart TV manufacturers globally. Publica helps a growing number of leading AVOD and fast services to power their programmatic ad break decisioning via products including a unified auction, server-side ad insertion, and a demand-agnostic ad server built from the ground up around streaming. Head to getpublica.com to find out how they help CTV publishers to grow their advertising revenues and provide streaming audiences with linear-like TV ad break experiences. Again, go to getpublica.com. Welcome to the AdTech God Pod, your window into the world of advertising technology and the people behind it. I'm your host, AdTech God. Welcome, AdTech enthusiasts, to another fascinating episode of the AdTech God Pod. We have an amazing guest in our studio today, someone who's worked at some of the most recognizable names in the industry, including Specific Media, AOL, The Trade Desk, NBC Universal, and more. Nola Solomon is currently the SVP of Go-To-Market Strategy and Enablement at Critio, where she spent nearly three years focusing on everything from product commercialization, sales enablement program planning, competitive analysis, and more. Critio is a technology company specializing in digital advertising and marketing, primarily focused on performance marketing within the e-commerce sector. I've heard a lot of great things about Nola, and I'm really excited to meet her on today's podcast. Nola, welcome to the AdTech God Pod. Thanks so much for having me. I'm super stoked to be here and to be chatting with you. Yeah, I was super excited. Your your background's pretty incredible, Nola. I've been stalking you on LinkedIn. <laughs> You've obviously had an amazing journey to reach the level that you're at at Critio, and Critio has been making waves in the industry over the last few years, um, especially with their focus around e-commerce. The question for you is, how did your entire career start? How did you get into advertising or ad tech? Oh my gosh. I totally fell into it completely by accident, which I think many people do in our industry. But I had been working in book publishing, like traditional book publishing at Simon & Schuster in New York City, thinking that I was going to become an editor of of novels, which I love. And I love reading them and and I love writing them as a hobby. But I quickly started getting very frustrated with the lack of speed with which traditional book publishing operated. And I had all these ideas like how books should be digitized into (laughs) e-books. And this was before that was really a thing. And so I was a little bit lost in terms of what I wanted to do with myself and what I had thought I wanted to do and not quite realizing that come to fruition. So I was coaching on Saturday mornings down on the West Side Highway at one of the local schools, some two to five-year-olds in soccer. I had been quite a kind of competitive player growing up and played in college and then abroad. So I, I love soccer. And I was like, well, this will be fun and, and something to kind of different to do while I figure out what I want in life. But I started getting really interested in how these little kids were learning, like just observing them and kind of how they were interacting with each other and, you know, mimicking what their parents were doing. And I was talking to my parents one night over dinner and like, oh, psychology, you should, you should think about psychology. And I was like, oh, you know, you know, impressionable me at the time, like, sure, immediately go apply for a master's program in London and got in. And so I 
took a giant leap of faith and moved to London, which I had never been to before. Although I'm I'm half French, so I, I had spent a lot of time in Europe, but just not in London, and became you know a member of this program for psychoanalytic developmental psychology, which is a fancy way of saying Freudian psychology for child therapy. While I was in London doing this program, which was a one year program, I quickly ran out of money and needed a job. I got a job, you know, at a hotel, one of the fancy hotels near Baker Street. And I had to like stand with one hand over my belly and one hand behind my back, like straight. And I was like, this is not for me. I need something else. So actually, a guy in my program's wife was the director of ad operations at Specific Media. And he told me that they were looking for an ad trafficker. And I had no idea what that was, what specific media was, or what industry this was all in. But I was raising my hand and was like, yep, well, they hire me part time because, <laughs> you know, I'm still doing my, this master's. So I met with them, Michelle over at Specific Media, Christiane Kemp, wonderful people who offered me my first job in ad tech, part time ad trafficking for specific. And quickly after my program ended, I, I joined them full time, realizing that I actually really enjoyed this, this new industry I'd stumbled upon significantly more than uh, becoming a child therapist, which was a very expensive way for me to find myself. But, you know, we all have our own paths of getting there. So I stayed with Specific, moved into a delivery analyst role, got really kind of comfortable with running campaigns and optimizing and kind of hitting those client goals and then started paying much more attention to what was going on in this industry. And so this was all, you know, in London, I started kind of getting really interested in in the mobile space. This was the early years of the year of mobile. I was also really interested in potentially getting out of ad operations and trying something a little different. So I ended up getting an offer from Millennial Media to run their business development and account management publisher sales group for Southern Europe specifically to start and kind of supporting in, in the UK and some other core markets in EMEA, which was an amazing, amazing role, company, people. Honestly, I look back so fondly on that time. It was a very kind of fun time to be an ad tech. And the group of people that we had there was just kind of magical. But I also feel that I learned so much of the fundamentals that I carry with me every day today in those early jobs at Specific and Millennial. This was pre-Millennial's acquisition of NextAge. So I was there when we acquired NextAge, onboarded them on and started learning about this thing called programmatic and what an SSP was while I was going and pitching these publishers in France and Italy and Spain to you know, integrate our technology to be part of our SSP. So learning that as the industry was kind of getting much more mature in understanding what programmatic technology was, how it all worked for both sides of the business, I think was an invaluable opportunity that still serves me very well in terms of just a, a pretty deep understanding of the space that I think is much harder to learn potentially after the fact. It's amazing you did that all abroad too, because are you from New York or from the U.S.? Yeah, yeah. Um, okay, so well, you also went abroad, traveled abroad, worked abroad for for some time, which is, I'm sure, an amazing experience. Yeah, it was incredible. I mean, and I think that's something that I would recommend anyone who has the opportunity to do to jump on. I had a slight advantage in that my mother's French. I lived in Italy as a kid, so I had a lot of exposure. But this was definitely 
me culturally an American moving abroad and particularly in the business side of things, which I had never really done before. There's nothing better than traveling through Europe on your company's dime. (laughs) Yeah, especially in those days. It was it was another world. It was great. (laughs) And then what did you do after that? Because you 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 moved into a couple different roles, obviously mobile growth. Yeah. Post the acquisition. What what was next? Yeah. So what was next was an opportunity to move out to Singapore with Millennial to run their APAC supply team. So again, an opportunity to move abroad to a place I'd never been, but it was really exciting and I jumped on it. And so that exposed me to all of the APAC region, spent a lot of time traveling to Japan and Thailand and Korea, Australia, Vietnam, Indonesia, Malaysia, and you know, really understanding the nuances of each of those markets as it related to our space, as it related to just business generally outside of that tech. And I think that's been, I mean, one, it was a lot of fun, but two, it was also really illuminative to me in terms of how fragmented that marketplace is, even more so than EMEA. And I think that's something that's really served me well and been very helpful in coming back to the US and really being able to attach that truly international lens to global roles. I don't think a lot of people who haven't worked abroad or or worked in markets abroad understand just how deep that fragmentation is. I mean, when you talk about mobile penetration rates and device splits, I mean, depending on how far you go back, whether it's a, a higher probability of an Android user than an Apple user based on income and affordability, when you take a look at ad spend based off of you know, a country like the Philippines, how, how different it is than Japan, how different it is than Singapore or Thailand. It's incredible because I think as generally we look at it as APAC, but when you dig down into each individual country, it's totally different statistics and totally different user behaviors and languages. It's awesome for you to gain that experience there. Yeah. I mean, it, it, and it's, you know, I love now being able when I get the chance to go back because it's much more comfortable and it's always evolving. And even things as simple as how you open a business meeting is different country to country in these markets. But I also think the more we can think about each of the individual markets and their specificities as it relates to how our industry is evolving and commerce and you know addressability challenges and, and how consumers use their devices and the discrepancies there between mobile and desktop, even you know, are quite stark. So there's a lot, a lot of great learnings that can be applied as I think we start to, in the US especially, move a lot more towards mobile in a way that APAC has actually been quite mature at already. I agree with you. And out of all the experience that you've had traveling abroad, what do you think was, was the biggest challenge with that? Obviously, you're really open-minded and comfortable moving around, but what was the hardest thing for you while you were doing that? I think the hardest thing, well, I think there were two things. One was just learning the cultural norms of how to operate business, how to make friends and feel not lonely when most of my friends were elsewhere, my family was elsewhere. And that got, I think, incrementally more challenging as I got older. And I wanted to kind of think about something beyond just work and building a life and, you know, meeting somebody I could spend my life with and all those things. So I think it was a mix of those two. I mean, as exciting as it is to travel and 
live abroad and have those experiences. At some point, I also realized I wanted to share them with somebody and not only have them for myself. I totally get that. I think during, you know, your earlier years, my earlier years, I traveled a lot as well. So I was all over the place. I won't say where, but I was all <laughs> over the place, kind of similar to you. But moving back became more of a priority and focus after having children. I think that's when I decided to move down the street from my childhood home, which, <laughs> which is crazy to me. And I, I swore I would never be back, but I am back. Uh, and I wake up every day and I love it. So it's nice. It's nice to be home and, and back to what's comfortable. It's um, funny how life comes in phases like that. And the things we think we'll never do oh, yeah. suddenly become the things we want to do. I wanted nothing more than to get the heck out. And then I wanted nothing more than to go to the same Starbucks that I went to when I was 17. <laughs> so, you know, you moved around a lot. You you obviously, you know, dealt with with some of the challenges of basically being alone, right? Like focused on your career growing your career, building up your name and your brand, which is super valuable. What brought you to Critio? Because you, you have an amazing resume from you know looking at it. What's so attractive about Critio that made you kind of jump into it and, and take the lead on, on the go-to-market? Yeah. Well, you know, th- I think there were a lot of things that teed me up to be ready for this and, and get really excited about the opportunity when when it kind of was presented to me. So after I moved back to the US with AOL at the time, I was, you know, post millennial getting acquired. I ended up moving over to TTD, really focusing on business development on their data partnership side. Thinking about early days of kind of CTV, how are we going to build graphs and do targeting on CTV? How are we going to have deterministic data and build audiences in this GDPR world, CCPA world? And then had an opportunity to kind of drive revenue and partnership strategic for the whole business at Daily Motion, which teed me up to take on a role leading product and business strategy for programmatic at NBC Universal. So that was fully entrenched in the CTV space, fully entrenched in thinking about programmatic as a business at this traditional broadcaster, where programmatic at the time was just a small piece of, you know, a much, much bigger pie. And so that was an, a really amazing role in terms of not just all of the learnings and the people, but also because of the exposure that I got to other areas of what NBC was doing, notably the commerce side of NBC's kind of portfolio, which I wasn't directly in, but I was working closely with the team that was there on how we could make some of these kind of commerce initiatives programmatic and scale them. And I was getting really excited about that when Todd Parsons, who is the chief product officer at Critio, who I had met and known for a while from my time at Daily Motion while he was at OpenX, reached out to me about this role at Critio where he wanted to kind of bring someone on board to build out a go-to-market function and started talking to me a bit about the vision for Critio from you know moving away from being a pure play retargeting company into a full-stack commerce media platform and really bringing together these two pieces of the business that had lived disparately, which was the performance marketing side that everyone's very familiar with and the retail media side that only some people were familiar with into a, this full stack offering. And, you know, having had the exposure to the commerce side of NBCU's portfolio, understanding the value of programmatic to scale and being able to marry that together into what the future of retail media could look like. Plus, with the background in, in data and audiences and, and everything else I had done in past roles, I kind of got it. And it got 
really excited. So yeah, that's what ultimately convinced me to uh, to join Critio, and it's been an amazing adventure, <laughs> and we've been doing a lot. It's been busy. What do you think? Just I mean, generally high level. What do you think really sets Critio apart in market in comparison to some of its closest competitors? Well, I think what Critio is really, really strong at above all things is about driving outcomes and deep integrations with retailers. So we've been very much known for performance. And that is something that a legacy that we've been able to bring over into the commerce space as we flesh out our partnerships with 220 and counting retailers, powering their on-site retail media stacks offering tons of different tools that most competitors don't have or are fragmented in terms of an offering. Whereas with Critio, we're able to offer both that monetization stack and the demand stack to go with it, driving value for the demand side of the business for their retail media dollars, their national dollars, and then their programmatic and performance budgets, while also helping retailers scale their media networks, think about how to smartly use their data assets and kind of learning from what happened in the traditional publishing world, what they want to emulate, what they want to avoid. And then also helping within the same stack, helping publishers get closer to the commerce space. So, you know, some publishers are already working on it, but I think there's a lot of a lot of publishers that would like to figure out how do they get closer to the retailers, how do they get closer to commerce. And so for us to be able to offer technology that really services all sides of the industry and all those customer types with unique offerings, I think is is pretty unique in our space, especially for an independent ad tech company. What do you think as you know, commerce media, retail media just continues to to become more popular and continues to scale over the last few years, especially. What do you think the future looks like in the next twelve to I don't know eighteen months in in retail media and commerce media? Wow, uh, scale, <laughs> scale, scale, scale. Yeah, no, I mean, I think that like the industry generally, that's always kind of reinventing itself. It's about evolving on existing foundations and building upon those. There's really hardly anything that is incrementally net new versus things that are built upon existing, you know, historical elements. And so I think that with retail media, we're going to continue to see scalability of on-site, activation of that data off-site, much closer connections between what the retailers are going to be doing with the publisher ecosystem and how the retailers are going to be thinking about that kind of balance they need to find between scaling their media businesses or their marketplace businesses as they start to evolve more and more there too, and their kind of core business of being retailers and selling products. So it's an exciting space. There's a lot of untapped potential already that we know of in terms of how do we break into national budgets versus just the shopper budgets? How do we think about driving insights in real time? How do we think about measurement and standardizing that across retailers and, and kind of creating an ecosystem that is less fragmented than it looks like today? I was talking to a friend of mine at, I actually won't say where, and he had mentioned that you know one of the biggest challenges in the retail media kind of industry is often being portrayed as bottom of the funnel spend and that the branding budgets are really hard to capture at times because although there's this extended network and this extended opportunity to create more brand awareness or move up the funnel, it seems like a lot of brands are really focused on that bottom of the funnel piece. So I'm really excited to see what you guys are are, are doing in the next you know year, year and a half. 
Yeah, stay tuned. There's a lot of good stuff. And I mean, we're very focused too on helping everyone in the ecosystem grow. So that means how do we help drive towards those upper funnel, but also very importantly, how to show the impact of every tactic that as a marketer you employ and how it ultimately drives that return on end spend that you're looking for. And what's the right you know, time frame to be thinking about that. And that that changes obviously depending on the vertical you're in and your own business and the types of channels you're going through. But there's a lot of nuance there. And I think we're all working collaboratively together as an industry to try to figure out how to make this kind of the big thing that everyone says it is. I mean, it's pretty big already. <laughs> uh, I think it's only got more to grow. I, I think the data utilized, the offering and market just makes sense. I think who's going to do it right and who's going to do it at scale, like you had mentioned. I'm very bullish in terms of retail media. I don't think everybody should have a retail media network. I know that some do, but I think generally speaking, this this is an incredible opportunity for our industry to grow in the future. Yeah, I totally agree. And I mean, there's, you know, digitizing in store that's also going to become bigger and bigger. And then I think, you know, we put the umbrella of commerce over it all because you know, we're talking about retail here, which is massive and, and growing, but there are other sectors beyond retail that are starting to follow or will follow under that kind of commerce media umbrella. I agree. How do you, I guess, stay up to date? Everything's constantly changing. Regulation's constantly changing. Competition is is obviously fierce. As a leader of of at Critio, as someone who understands the industry really well and, and has seen the past, how do you how do you see towards the future, and how do you keep yourself up to date and, and changes to both the market and products and capabilities? Well, I I doubt I'll say anything truly revolutionary here, <laughs> but um, reading the trades, I get subscribed to different newsletters, so I get kind of push information here and there. I click into things that I'm interested in or that spark kind of curiosity or that I don't know much about, but I feel like I should and kind of just kind of go down a rabbit hole sometimes. I listen to a lot of podcasts, ATG being one of them, but also not only ad tech or, or mark tech podcasts. I listen to a lot of business podcasts that actually helps frame what's happening in the macro and then applying that, taking a beat to think about what does that mean for my industry? What does that mean for the space within my industry that I'm focusing on or, or trying to figure out how to grow? Sometimes I do listen to writing podcasts, which surprisingly are extremely useful when it thinks about how to frame a story, how to package up a concept and, and make a value proposition really sing, which obviously in go-to-market is really important. So those, those are, are critical kind of academic ways. And then talking to your network, asking questions, reaching out to people, listening, and kind of just paying attention to the opportunities that you have where you're exposed to other points of view is extremely, extremely valuable. I agree. I'm constantly talking to industry friends. And I think that's probably one of the strongest and most underrated. I think, you know, publications, obviously Ad Exchanger is amazing. Obviously, Digiday is amazing. They provide a lot of insights. But I think just being on the ground, talking to various partners or potential partners is really a driver for knowledge. Yeah. There's obviously a lot of kind of formalized trainings that are brought on by you know, the trade desk, you have awesome training provided by people like Shiv at New Digital. Mm -hmm. But I do agree. I think a lot of just sitting down, having a coffee, having dinner and chatting industry for me is, is the way I learn. Yeah. That's, that's what I love the most. Yeah. 
Nola, you've been an incredible guest. I'm really amazed that you've traveled so much. I think that's an amazing story. Incredible experience. I wish you the absolute best at Critio. I hope you guys have a wonderful 2024 as we're kind of, you know, leaning into the end of the first quarter. But thank you again for being here, Nola, and, and, and thank you for your trust. Thank you so much for having me. It was really nice to, to chat with you and, um, yeah, appreciate it. We'll speak soon. All right. Sounds good. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the AdTech GodPod, a podcast for the people about the people that make AdTech great. Stay connected with me for more insights, trends, and interviews in the realm of AdTech. Don't miss out on our latest updates. So follow me on X, Instagram, and connect with me on LinkedIn. Don't forget, ATG Slack community has insights, networking opportunities, and jobs. Keep the conversation going and stay at the forefront of AdTech innovation.